Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Bitchopedia podcast. I'm your host, Dahlia, and today's episode, I just want to go ahead and tell you I am slapping trigger warnings all over this episode, all over it. I'm going to be talking about the the latest going-ons of my life um, in a very vulnerable and open way that I'm honestly kind of, I'm like rambling so I can put it off because I didn't even really know how to address the 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 episode. Honestly, I had something else entirely different planned for today's episode. And then I just did a yoga class this morning or a yoga video. And I can actually link that in the show notes too. Um, because I've got a TED talk that I'm going to publish on there as well. But um, like I said, I wanted to talk about something different. And when I thought about doing this as a recording, I wrote down a journal entry and I was like, I can just go in there read this, talk a little bit about, you know, whatever, the TED Talk that I had watched and all these things. But I didn't really want to go in depth about the the depression side of it, which is silly. You're going to realize how silly that is once I tell you what the content is about. You're like, how can you avoid talking about depression? This is all about depression. But the thing that came up in my mind when I thought about coming on and giving you the full story my mind said, you've already done a depression episode. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> like what? Like for the podcast, I didn't want to repeat content. So I kind of just wanted to shove my mental health issues to the side. Like, well, I don't want to be repetitive, you know, and that's kind of the theme as well, because with depression, well, let me just go ahead and I'll start from the beginning. Okay. For the last couple of weeks, this is what's been going on. Red tape, bureaucratic bullshit with my insurance. This It's like my lot in life. With medical issues, with any kind of paperwork, it seemed like that was just a recurring theme in my life beyond what all of my friends were experiencing. Like, I thought everyone experienced this. And then the more I talked to people, the more they were like, what the fuck? Why, like, why is it so difficult for you to be seen? Like, medical, get medical attention or, you know, whatever the case was. And as it turns out, and that's kind of a chicken and egg thing, I don't know really which created which, but I I feel so ill-equipped to deal with any kind of red tape, any kind of like calling to get things situated in a bill or trying to return things. Anything that I have to do to interact with people um, in like a federal building, any of that stuff gives me crippling anxiety. And it could be the neurodivergence, right, of just me like being crippled by this task that seems easy for everyone else, but it's not for me. So I don't know. Again, I don't know which created which. But all of that to say, I this was something I was trying to release. That I think I've talked about it on the podcast that I want to overcome this belief and this story that I have in my head that like, I'm the exception and I'm never going to be seen at the doctor. And I have all this trouble, like I said, with bureaucratic red tape and bullshit paperwork, all of that stuff I'm trying to release. But then <laughs> it it has come up again because um, something happened with my insurance and they needed me to submit because Again, this is I'm I'm talking from the US and I know that I'm this podcast goes to several different countries. So if you have the glorious gift that is universal health care, 
you may not understand this, but for any of us who struggle with um, coverage, insurance coverage, this is my lot in life. As an, as an American, it is my American right to not have health insurance. So basically summarizing like the, the marketplace is what I have the option to go through because I'm a bartender. I don't, I don't have um, health insurance. And I did have it with my ex-husband, divorce pending, but I lost it. So I've been on this thing and it's not ideal. It's very difficult for me to get any kind of uh, help aside from all that because I don't even want to dive into that. I'll spend an hour talking about that. But um, when I went to be seen by a doctor, um, they said that there was an issue with my insurance and I knew that it was just because this paperwork had been filed incorrectly. I knew that it was going to happen at the end of July. I had already called. I did the thing. I overcame my, my stress about it, my anxiety about it. I moved through it. And then still on the other side, I was unable to be seen by a doctor. So I had scheduled an appointment because I was going to switch my antidepressants. I know I did an episode, I don't even know how many months ago, talking about how I was going to get on antidepressants, even though I fought the good fight and I tried as hard as I could not to get on them. I finally accepted my fate, got the prescription, started taking it, hated it, got off of them. I stopped taking any antidepressants. And I didn't want to talk about that on here because I had already done an episode about how I was just going to face the facts and get on the antidepressants. So there was so much shame. There was so much shame wrapped around that that I felt like I couldn't even speak out about getting on medicine one way or another. Because actually I had a friend who messaged me after I talked about, I don't remember what episode it was, but after I talked about you know, I'm going to get on antidepressants because I shouldn't be ashamed. There's no shame. You know, I shouldn't be spiritual bypassing, thinking I can just meditate my way out of, you know, a mental health crisis. Um, so I was going to get on medicine. But then when they didn't work, I was like, well, I don't really have to talk about it. We'll let people, you know, if they found help in it, good. And I'll do my thing and maybe I'll talk about it one day. So I guess today's the day. So when I started researching, I felt I figured out that the reason I think that my antidepressants didn't work was because it was an SSRI and not an SNRI. And I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to go into all of that with you. You should research it if you want. But basically, there's two different kind of medications. And one of them is not going to help if the other thing is your issue. So I thought, well, I'll try the other thing. You know, this is me making an effort because this is no longer sustainable for me to operate like this. So I made the appointment. I was going to go and get a prescription because they said they couldn't just change my medication, that they I needed a doctor's appointment for them to switch my medicine. Fine. I, even though I've been on paper diagnosed with depression for at least a decade, probably closer to two, um, that's the one thing that all doctors seem to be able to agree on. So I'm like, all right, whatever. I'll go to the doctor. I'll get the prescription. It'll be fine. The morning I am supposed to go, that's when they call me and they say, there's been an issue with your insurance. I say, you know, that's, it's a misunderstanding. The paperwork just hasn't made it all the way through. They told me it would be about two weeks and this is close to the two week mark, right? And she was like, oh, it's okay. Well, all you have to do to resolve it is just pay $500. Uh, if you can't pay all of it, you can pay 10% or it was 30% of it. And I was like, uh, <laughs> Okay, well, the issue is it actually is covered. It's just that because the paperwork has fallen through on my insurance, it thinks that I don't have coverage. So I know that it's just 
again, this red tape, it's tied up in this, but this is where I want to really give you a trigger warning. And I'm trying not to cry, but oh my God, I, I can feel it already coming. Um, I was having a lot of dark thoughts that I was like, you know, I'll get my medication and I'll start to feel better. And I, oh my God, I am going to cry. And I kept going and I kept going. And then that morning I was like, it's finally going to happen. You know, I'll get the help that I need. And then it fell through. Oh my God, I'm just thinking about how bad I want universal health care right now. <laughs> So that was the day that I was like, oh my God, I might not make it out of this because I can't be seen by a doctor to get a prescription that makes me want to stay alive. Like, <laughs> truly, um, it felt too big. God, I've really, I tried to wait and like cry all of this out so I wasn't crying on the podcast. But remember when I talked about that part about vulnerability, <laughs> that's what all of this is. Um, and the reason that I didn't want to talk about any of this was because I was like, who, like, I want to be a beacon of hope for people. You know, when I get on this podcast, I feel like there's enough hard stuff in life. And I always kind of saw it as like, I'll go through the hard stuff and then I'll tell y'all the the good stuff that I pulled out of it, you know. So when I'm still in the dark times and the hard times, it's difficult for me to talk about it because I'm like, I don't want to be a downer, you know? And that's what, like, that's the lie that depression tells you is that, you know, you're a burden to people or whatever all the dark thoughts that depression can create in you. And I'm going to talk about that TED Talk or I'm going to link that TED Talk that I was talking about earlier. And the name of the TED Talk is I'm Fine. And he basically talks about that, how depression is a big club that makes you feel like you're the only member. And it's the shame that keeps you from talking about it. Um, and that's when I was like, the you know, you've already done the depression episode. It's like, who wants to get on here and listen to you talk about how sad you are, you know? And I will say that that's, he goes into depth about that on the TED Talk and it's phenomenal. But... I want to talk about the bypassing that sometimes occurs because of those thoughts. Because we think, well, I don't want to be a burden to anyone, you know, or bring anyone else down. Like, people have enough to worry about. I don't want them to worry about me. And you shove all of that stuff down. And that's where the bypassing comes in. And I want to personally apologize to anyone for, I know in the earlier days of my podcast, when I was first getting into Tony Robbins, he has very masculine energy. And there's a time and a place I've learned a lot from a lot of his stuff. Um, and it was suiting my life at the time. But it could creep into, because his whole thing is like, you know, you keep saying, I have depression, I have depression, I have depression. And he talks about basically over-identifying with that. And I get that. I really do. And I took that to say, like, it's easy to just wallow in depression. And I will wallow in it. That's what my whole journal entry that I'm going to read, I'll go into that with that. But it does have, it can be detrimental. It can have a negative impact because like I said, it's kind of that bypassing thing of like, I don't have depression, you know? And that's what I feel like my whole last couple of weeks have been of me just being like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And then when I did my yoga class this morning, it was yoga with Adrian for a broken heart. 
And when I clicked on it, I almost didn't click on it for that reason of like, I don't want to keep thinking that I have a broken heart, you know, but I can't deny this overwhelming sadness that I have been holding. And this is the one year anniversary of all the bad shit that happened last year with my friend, trigger warning, when my friend lost her battle to depression. Um, and then my ex, some crazy triggering things happened with him. So it's, and I, and I just buried it and I pretended that it wasn't affecting me and I've let it come up a little bit and I thought I had healed it. And then a lot of other stuff was coming up because I don't know if any of you watch Bravo, but there was an episode of Below Deck and you can Google the article too, even if you don't watch Below Deck. Basically they all, they're yachties, they all live on this boat and one of the guys who is in a position of power, he's a bosun on the boat, um, was naked and went into one of the stewardesses, so a lower position on the boat, as far as authority goes, went naked into her room and laid down with her. And the crew basically intervened. They broke the fourth wall and production, thank God, was there. But they walked over and told him he needed to leave the room. He like shuts the door, slams the door, and locks them out. You can watch the whole episode, and you can probably just look up the clip. But it was so triggering for me, and I didn't know that it was going to be that triggering um, because it was about sexual assault, and I thought that I had kind of dealt with mine, but... I don't even want to go too far into it with, with that because, like I said, this is already a trigger warning episode, but... The point is it brought up a lot of stuff for me that I was like, wow, I'm, you know, I I feel like I'm never going to get past this. Of like, even when you think you've dealt with stuff, you know, grief is not linear. And it's like every time I remember that, every time I'm reminded of that, I get discouraged because I'm like, I thought I moved past this. You know, like, when am I going to move past this? Um, So that brought up a lot for me. And with all of those things kind of building up, I recognized the sadness coming back. And so I wrote this um, in my journal this morning. And it's not like a it's not like a piece or anything. You know, it's just me journaling. But I thought I would come on here and read it. And again, this is something that feels like deeply personal. But I want you guys to understand and maybe feel less alone when you're experiencing these overwhelming feelings of sadness. This is the journal entry. Um, Sadness. I have such mixed emotions about her. On one hand, she's an unwelcomed guest, one that keeps showing up no matter how many times I send her away. And on the other hand, she is the one whose arms I so desperately crave falling into. I'm often afraid that if I let her in, even a little, she will be that toxic ex that I never leave, the one I'll die with. Maybe that's why I so voraciously push her away because I'm terrified I'll fall in love with her again. See, depression always felt like my natural state. Any other emotion just felt like a placeholder. Until I could curl up with sadness again. Oh my God, I really did want to cry the whole time I was reading this. Um, Okay, my mind just keeps repeating. They've made it too hard to live. I feel like a lost child 
who is going to lose my life because I'm not equipped to deal with the red tape required to exist. I feel like I'm too far behind in class and I'm never going to catch up. I think that's why I've struggled to be around my friends when they're sad. I didn't have space for their sadness. Hell, I didn't even have space for my own. It felt like sadness was the space I was trying to fill, but I was never able to. I never felt bigger than my sadness. As I did my yoga class this morning, I allowed myself to fall apart. I allowed myself to zoom out and see this woman, girl, in extended child's pose, bowing in surrender. And I see that she keeps waking up and trying every day. And I had respect for her. I allowed myself to be sad because suffering is inevitable. And after that, I allowed myself to focus on that tiny flame of hope that said, don't forget about the inevitable good either. And I was reminded of all the rainbows that came after those storms of sadness, all the laughter, and I just had a flood of memories wash over me, reminding me that I have not yet experienced all of my happiness. It's not a tank that's now empty. This too shall pass, I heard. And even if just for today, I choose to believe them. Um, End of (laughs) journal. As I was like halfway through reading that, I was like, oh my God, don't post this on the internet. Like everything in me wants to fight against sharing this. But that is the voice of what I call Depression Kitty because of human resources. That's one of the characters. And if you haven't watched that show, I recorded a full podcast episode talking about that show as like a form of therapy. Um, but Depression Kitty is this character that lures you into thinking she's so like warm and cozy and she tells you just lie down. And even before I was recording this podcast, I recognized that that was the voice of Depression Kitty that was telling me, you know, if you talk about this, you're going to be so drained. Like you've already experienced so many feelings this morning and so much heaviness and sadness. Or you really want to go in the closet and record this stuff, you know, and everything in me was just fighting so hard against it. But from everything that I've studied and known and experienced, um, that's usually the thing that's the most important to talk about. You know, the thing that you're fighting so hard against and the thing that feels so difficult and insurmountable, that's usually the thing that you need to do or that you need to talk about. So, oh my God, I wish that I was coming on here with like a happy episode. And I think that there is a sort of happiness in this and that like, you're freed from the shame and the guilt of not talking about it. And you're not alone if you are experiencing this. And again, I apologize if anything I've ever said has been insensitive towards someone who's battling depression. If it ever came across in a spiritual bypassy kind of way or like a grin and bear it, you know, we're all going through things. And I try so hard not to do that, but I'm just generalize uh, apology for everyone now that I'm giving if I ever did um, say anything that made someone feel that way. And a future apology if I ever say anything that makes you feel that way in the future. I would never, ever, ever want that. And the line in the journal that said, you know, I feel like the space trying to feel depression. If you can 
describe depression and give it a label, give it a feeling, a, a color, um, a shape, uh, any kind of physical description, I feel like it helps you kind of separate it from yourself as it is an emotion. It is a feeling. It is temporary, you know. And I tried to explain to my son, you know, this is depression. If I ever, you know, want a nap or something, sometimes that's what depression is. It just tells you that you're tired and you want to lay down and it makes it difficult to do things. And it's not because I don't love you. You know, that's me kind of explaining it to him in a way that, so that he's not afraid if he sees me down, you know. And he said, so you're just walking around sad all the time. And I told him, no, that's not what depression is. And that's, I think that's a misconception too with people is that you think that if you have those moments of happiness that you're like, I'm not depressed, you know, and it keeps you from getting the help that you need. And as far as the insurance and the medication go, I am doing my best (laughs) to, um, make it through until I can get my divorce finalized because that's in the works. So maybe about 30 days, I'm going to refile um, with a life event with divorce and get fully covered and start taking care of all of my health needs, vision, all the things. I just have to keep holding out until then. And that's another thing too, is like, I have to believe that one day all of these processes will become more easy, uh, less difficult because that you know it's too hard to stay alive that's that really is something that I've been feeling of like it is a struggle like they're making it too hard to live you know and if you feel that way I think that's okay to feel and that was one of the feelings that I was really fighting off was like you know don't feel that way it's you know there's people who have such a harder time and you're so blessed and you're so abundant. And I do try as much as I can to focus on those things. But, you know, if I need to balance out hormones in my brain, you know, there's nothing that yoging or exercise, even though all that stuff helps or meditation, all that stuff does help. But there's nothing that... I should feel guilty about if that's not enough to make me happy, you know, and happiness is not the end goal, but it's going to be experienced again. You know, depression will trick you into thinking that all the the good times are over. You're not going to have any more that you've used it all up. And now from here on out, it's just suffering until we die. And then if you feel that way, death is like a sweet release You know, it's like, oh God, finally I can fall into the arms of not having to try to live anymore. You know, those are some of the thoughts that as far as for me are associated with depression. And so I want, I encourage all of you guys with also a trigger warning on the um, TED talk to go back and watch that and listen to his story. It's very encouraging. And I journaled all of this before I watched that TED Talk. Actually, I was getting ready to go record. So I was sending the yoga with Adrian to a friend and that popped up in one of my, you know, suggested videos. And it said, I'm fine. (laughs) And the struggles of depression. I was like, okay, well, let's see what this guy has to say. And it just encouraged me, I think, to speak out because, you know, that's what he kept saying was it's this 
giant club that it's the biggest club in the world. Everybody's included. You can join at any time, but the trick is you think that you're the only member the whole time. And I don't want anyone to feel alienated. And I don't want to pretend that I don't feel that way because that's hard too. And it's honestly unfair to myself to pretend. And I don't think that you guys are getting on here and listening every week because I'm this fucking guru, you know, that's got all this sage wisdom who never makes a mistake. Like, you know, I say it all the time that I'm like, I'm a mess who's just trying to figure it out. And as I fumble my way through life, if I write down the stories that I learned from and share those experiences with you guys, then you take from that what you want. And like I said, things that have served you in the past don't always have to serve you. So look at the story that you're telling yourself and ask yourself if it's serving you. So if you've been in the grasp of depression for too long and you're ready to try to jump out of it, making little changes to overcome that, I highly encourage. But also don't think that you can just decide not to be depressed anymore and stop. (laughs) You know, I don't think that that's the case either. I think you have to make that judgment call for yourself and be honest with yourself. And that's what this is, me being honest with myself that... Sadness is a feeling that I so often experience. And Sylvia Plath, if you've ever read any of her stuff, I'm reading The Bell Jar right now, so it's fresh on my mind. But I always joked that, you know, we're kindred spirits because she described depression so well and she just felt such this immense sadness and what my friend called like cosmic sadness of, you know, being self-aware and aware enough to know that there is suffering in the earth and you can't put your blinders onto it. And I, I mean, I think all that means is that you have a good heart, you know, and you don't want other people to suffer. So it's okay to be sad that the world is fucked up. Honestly, you know, that's fine because, Holy shit, if you take in too much of the news or whatever, it can get overwhelming. You know, there is a lot of suffering in the world. But I have found through all of this the last few weeks, was it Mr. Rogers who said, was that his name, Mr. Rogers? Yeah, won't you be my neighbor? Who said, um, in the times of bad, look to the good, you know, look to in the, I don't know why I just thought of 9-11, but the, you know, those videos that you see all the horrible things that are happening. You see people help and you see first responders come in. Look to those people. Look to the people who in the hard times are helping. And I will say with the Bravo situation, um, there was a, the chief stewardess. So the girl who was almost sexually assaulted, her boss came out and spoke the next day on Instagram and made a video and basically said that, you know, even though This was really tragic and a lot of people are not lucky enough to have someone intervene. You know, she said that she was, she experienced the same thing. She was sexually assaulted in a moment of being drunk, which was my experience as well. Um, And that you cannot consent if you cannot formulate a sentence, you know, there was no consent. And she said that because she went through that, she never wanted anyone else to experience that. So she played a huge role in intervening and stopping that. And I've always looked to that person and wanted to be that person, honestly, who stepped in and said, you know, we're going through a difficult time, but there is hope, there is light. And, you know, she she basically said that the message that we need to take from this is that every woman deserves 
to feel safe. You you deserve to go out and drink and do things, you know, make irresponsible choices and not be sexually assaulted because of that. And I know this was there was a lot of heaviness in this episode, but in those moments where you find the dark times, look to someone like Adrian. Yoga with Adrian. I think about that a lot when I get on and I, I yesterday I did yoga for when you're angry. She has some for you know, yoga for depression. And I did the today, uh, yoga with, for a broken heart. And I thought about how much I appreciated her coming in, in that moment and just holding space for sadness and saying like, Hey, let's not pretend that we're not experiencing this. I don't know why I'm getting emotional again. (laughs) I just want that for this podcast. I want it to be a safe space. And in order to give that to other people, I have to give that to myself. So Take from all of this what you will (laughs) and look to the good and appreciate that person. And if you're that person, appreciate yourself and know that it does feel good to be that person for other people who, when they're going through a hard time, you can be that safe space. And like I said, when I I felt like I couldn't be there for my friends because I, I wasn't holding space for myself. I couldn't hold their sadness because I couldn't even hold my own, you know, um, I encourage you to do that, to to be that person. Because when you do hold space for yourself, you automatically hold space for others. People automatically feel safe with you because you feel safe with yourself. Um, so, again, I, I hope y'all can take from that and pull the good and know that, like, this is not me getting on here. I feel so much pressure to get on here and be like, guys, I'm fine. Don't worry about me, <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> But that's what we were just talking about. It's okay not to be okay, you know. And um, I don't have to feel like if I talk about depression in two episodes that I'm being redundant. You know, this is this is something that I carry with me. And it's probably time for me to stop fighting against it and just kind of take it as my little friend. Befriend Depression Kitty and take her as your pet and know that you're in charge of her, not the other way around. And... As big as depression can feel, you can find those little moments like I did with yoga, even if it was just 20 minutes this morning, where I'm able to kind of re-grasp control of my emotions and say, I, I'm, I am bigger than depression. I am not trying to fill the space of depression. Depression is just something that comes with me and tricks me into, it's almost like an illusion. You know when you hold your hand up to a light and you make a... What are they called? Like the animal, is it animal puppets? Is that what they're called? Animal shadows? <laughs> what am I? Shadow animals? Shadow puppets? Jesus Christ, I'm like having a stroke at this point. But you know, when you hold your hand up to the light and it's like your shadow makes it look like your hand is as big as the room, but really it's just because of the way the light is shining on it. That's how we need to be looking at depression. It's just casting this giant shadow that's tricking you into thinking that it's this huge thing when really it's not. It's just this small thing that we can get control of. And there are places that you can reach out. And this is one of those places, but don't ever let depression trick you into thinking that you should be silent about it or that you're going to be a burden to someone. So if you want, reach out to me today, like reach out to someone today, if you're feeling this way and there's numbers and numbers that you can text or call. And if that's too much, cause I know when I was going through my situation and my struggles, I thought about reaching out to one of those suicide hotlines and I was like, no, you know, because 
like the guy in the TED Talk says, he says that it's not necessarily that I wanted to die. It's just that I didn't want to live anymore. And so that's how it feels sometimes is it tricks you into thinking like, I'm not, you know, I don't want to die. I just struggle to want to be alive, you know? So finding those little moments of peace and finding little things that you can do every day. And then if and if that exhausts you after you're done with it, that's okay too. Take a fucking nap. <laughs> that's okay too. Okay, so I'm going to stop rambling at this point um, because I feel like I'm just overcompensating for how uncomfortable I feel even sharing this. Like as I close it out, I'm like, just don't, just, just don't publish this. <laughs> but it's important to speak out. So I love you guys so, so so much. And if you need anything, you can always reach out. The link tree is going to be in my bio. You can email me or reach out on any social media. I appreciate you guys. I love you guys. I'm sending you so much love. Have a great week.